The wait is over. Daniel Craig is back in his fifth and final appearance as James Bond in No Time to Die. In the beginning, he became 007, and every mission, every sacrifice has led him to this. Don't miss the epic conclusion. See No Time to Die only in theaters. Critics are calling No Time to Die a masterpiece, thrilling, and Daniel Craig's best. Get your tickets now at 007tickets.com. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Anthony D'Alessandro. Thank you for joining us today for the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. Today, we're talking with the new Bond bad guy, Rami Malek. Now, now, we're going to get all into No Time to Die. And we know that there's a lot of other stuff going on in the genre world. There's the, you know, semi, let's call it 11A finale of The Walking Dead, the first of three finales in the final season of the zombie apocalypse once blockbuster. And of course, there was first footage seen just recently of the Game of Thrones spinoff, House of the Dragon. We're going to talk all about that, but not today. Today is all about No Time to Die. And it's all about a man who played Freddie Mercury and now is playing a Bond villain. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome an old friend of Deadline's, Mr. Rami Malek. The villain in No Time to Die is with us. Thank you. Oscar winner, we might add, not also villain. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. How are you? We're good. We're long time no see. If some people don't know, Rami has been uh, been a participant in Deadline's Contenders series in the past, which is always great to see him. And as I said, Oscar winner, also massive Queen fan. So I'm going to start off with something. Everybody says that actors always try to get something from their latest movie. They're like, I really want that jacket that I wore in the opening scene, or I want this. So what is there, if anything, that you were able to snag from No Time to Die? It's so funny because, uh, you know, Daniel says this, not me, but it always makes me laugh is that everyone thinks we're just a bunch of kleptomaniacs. Like, uh, we just want to pull for No, no, I've never really kept much from set, to be honest. And it's only now that I'm getting a little bit older that I want to have, have these nostalgic moments. Uh, but I don't know where to put this stuff. I just... I don't know what you're gonna do. You frame it. Do, do people come in? They see it. Does it does it make them think something of you that you really don't want to put out there? I don't know. I rarely quote him except for a lyric. But I remember once reading a Sting, an article with Sting, and he always talked about he kept all his awards in the bathroom so everybody had to see them. <laughs> but I heard that you kept the teeth from Bohemian Rhapsody. I kept the teeth, and then yeah, I had I had a pair of them cast in gold. Because I thought, like, what's something Freddie would do? What's the most ostentatious thing I could do? Yeah. It's very Freddie. Very Freddie. You know, because you and I have done it before, I could talk Queen all day long, but we are here to talk about Bond, and we are to talk about your debut as a Bond villain. Yes. So, my friend, you know, Oscar winner, acclaimed actor on both the small and big screen, but a Bond villain is a whole new gig. What was that like for you? Yeah, man, it's challenging. Of course, uh, Daniel's done this, what, for 12, 13 years now. So you're definitely walking into his world, his territory. So you got to come on strong. And uh, I mean, nothing could prepare me for that better than, of course, Bohemian Rhapsody. That, the, the, that was a very daunting uh, part of my career, thinking that I was going to be able to pay homage to that special human being. So to get through that and 
and come up on the other side of it uh, as as we did, I thought, okay, I got enough confidence to take this on. And yeah, it, it gave me a bit more strength walking into it. Rami, how did it happen? Did Barbara and Michael reach out to you directly? No, you know, Carrie and I had been talking for a while. Carrie and I knew each other. We were acquaintances and we'd sat down and I think it came up in conversation uh, and we just had a back and forth. And then, it, you know, there began to, to be our teams getting on the phone, working out Mr. Robot schedule. And Barbara, of course, uh, has to give the okay. Certainly, most certainly. And then one day she's delivering a script to my hotel room in London, hand delivered. And I go, okay, this is going to be very secretive. And I'm not to share this with anyone. How did you, how did you come up with the character? Okay, like, I, before Anthony asks that question, how did you come up with the name of this character? Uh, well, we had discussions about it. And I think what was important for me is not to vilify one particular country, ethnicity. We, have, we go to these, these typical places for our evil, for our villains all the time. So uh, just wanted to mix something up that felt uh, unidentifiable. And that's what we kind of did with the accent as well. I kept bringing different accents to carry and saying, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And we'd bring, shoot one away and try, and try the next one. And we settled into uh, what became an amalgamation of, of a number of different countries. And uh, at the end, the Lucifer part of Safin uh, is, of course, uh, has, has some, you know, biblical reference to it. Yeah. Because you could definitely see Bond as uh, being, you know, the savior. Well, I mean, literally and figuratively in this particular case. Um, sorry, Anthony, I know you were going to jump in. No, he answered the question there. He's smarter than us. Yeah. <laughs> Rami, you know, you've been doing a whirlwind press tour the past couple months for this. I know that you're exhausted, but you're also, you know, and the movie was delayed a number of times and we want to talk about that very quickly. But now you're going to go and do host Saturday Night Live as well. So I want to get a sense from that because, you know, Dude, you're, you're checking off the career boxes one after another. Yeah, man, I've, you know, I've hit 40 and I think with 40 comes some freedom. And I thought, you know, don't be so precious about going out there and doing SNL, go have a good time. Uh, Daniel said to me, uh, he, when he hosted, he said, in for a penny, in for a pound. And he just went for it. And I could see the glee on his face. He, said, he had such a, a great night that evening. I thought, why not? There's another one. Tick the boxes. I always think, you know, with everything that that's happened over the last few years, I feel so fortunate, so grateful, so blessed. But I'm like, hey, if that was it, I'd be a happy man. You know, you've mentioned this a couple of times, Rami, and, and I know that you, you know, you are a person who takes your craft incredibly seriously. But it does feel like working with Daniel Craig had a real influence upon you, you know, professionally and personally. And I, if, would you mind giving us a little bit of a greater sense of that? Yeah, you know, I could have easily walked out there and have him, uh, you know, be on the offense or on the defense rather and not necessarily take me in or be warm, look at me as the villain and treat me as such. But I just appreciate leadership so much on a set. I appreciate when someone is in command and uh, is, is an absolute leader like Daniel. He comes out there, he gives everybody respect. He inspires the people around him. And he, he just lifts everybody up. 
And I've seen it not done that way. And I've definitely prefer the way Daniel shows up. It's special. And uh, it's something I I hope I get to to feel in in my career going forward often. I know what it takes to do that. I knew what it took to do that on Bohemian. So to see it, to see him reciprocate it like that, uh, it just makes you want to do everything you can to, to help him, help his film. He's Bond. Make Bond great. James Bond is back and only on the big screen. See Daniel Craig in his fifth and final appearance as 007 in No Time to Die, now playing only in theaters. Critics are calling No Time to Die a masterpiece, thrilling and Daniel Craig's best. Nothing can prepare you for the epic conclusion. Get your tickets now at 007tickets.com. So Rami, we can't say what it is, but this has a very intriguing ending. And I'm curious, <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I'm curious, was there anything in particular left on the cutting room floor with your character? Because mm. he's such an enig- enigmatic, I ask this because he's such a mysterious guy, an enigmatic guy. Hey, Rami, it- Anthony is trying to ask you if there's footage of you stroking a cat. <laughs> It, 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 the question was posed at some point. I, I think there is, you know, there's. It's a Bond film. There's going to be a lot of stuff that ends up winding up on the floor, of course. Yeah, there are bits and pieces here, but I, I, I love playing that kind of enigma. Uh, I never, I never really wanted to play this kind of cackling megalomaniac. For me, I thought. Uh, the villains I found scary. What causes the most fear for me personally? And I think it's that compression of a spring before it's released. And it's that concentrated stillness that generates this feeling that like you're on the brink of something. And, and that's maddening because it's inevitable. And that, that coiled spring, it just holds all the power. So I just love exploring that. He has a poison plant garden. Yes, he I does. Mean, ta- I mean, Talk about that. Was that always in the script or was that something that you had suggested? No, that was us trying to pay homage to Ian Fleming, to, you know, the, those iconic old Ken Adams sets mm. and Mark Tildesley, our production designer, uh, he went for it. And I mean, that set was breathtaking. Um, I've, I've seen some special sets so far in my career, but I have to say that one might top the charts walking in there. and. Uh, you are on a bond stage and you know it. And so when Daniel comes out with his weapon, you are just taken aback. It's very moving. I've talked to other people who've been in bond movies uh, with Pierce and, and with Daniel. And they, they've, they've said to me almost uniformly, you kind of forget your acting at one point because the franchise is just so big and it's been around for all our lives that as you said, you're on bond stage and you're kind of like, oh, I'm the villain or I'm the sidekick. And it just kind of happens. Was that an experience that you felt on this? Especially it being Daniel's final movie. Cause you know, he doesn't leave anything. He doesn't leave anything on the table in this one. No, no, he does not. And I think it, just going back to the way he presents himself, it gave me the kind of authority to come in and say, you know what? I think this can be better. Mm. I think we can, and just immediately. Uh, that could have been taken the wrong way, but Daniel welcomed it. Carrie welcomed it. Barbara and Michael welcomed it. So I don't know necessarily that you think about acting. You just think about making it the best film possible. When I was younger, I used to think so much about, you know, 
the performance and the performance meant everything to me. And of course it still does, but as you get older, you just, you want to service the film and you want to service Daniel's final Bond film. Uh, it's important. So you got to think about the overall picture. Talking about that, part of the overall picture on this one, of course, was uh, that Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, joined, so to speak, to help with the script. Um, was that a part of the process with you when you talk about making it better? I know there were times when you and Daniel actually walked away and you talked with Kari and the producers. I, I believe I heard a story you guys actually took a whole day at one point to be like, how can we make these scenes better? What about with Phoebe? What was your relationship like with her or interactions like with her? Yeah, I mean, there were moments where, uh, again, I, I would look at Daniel, I'd say, are you satisfied with this? And, you know, at one point he said, nope. And so we, we ended up, th thanks to Carrie and, and Barbara and Michael, we just said, let's, let's take the time off and do it right. So we talked about the scene, we went into Carrie's office, and we came up with what I, I thought was a strong idea between the two of us. Um, and then at the end, I got I got on the phone with Phoebe. She wasn't present. So she just said, give me context as to what the hell happened with you guys today. And I did. And then she turned around pages pretty quickly like that. Rami, is there anything you could tell us about the David O. Russell film? The part you play, what it's what it's about. <laughs> is it Star Wars? It, in color. It's, it's, it's very unusual. I will say this. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, and I really enjoyed myself. It, it, it's, it's that ensemble was just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. What a special, special cast. Look, Chivo, I've always wanted to work with. Emmanuel Lebeski. Uh, it, it's tough to get better than that, man. So the shots are gorgeous. Uh, I've been sworn to secrecy by David, so I can't say anything, I'm afraid, but it's he good. Had, he has a great process, doesn't he, with the actors? There's improvisation involved? Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a question for you, Rami, about the David Arroso. Did you and Mike Myers do evil villain impersonations together? No, it was just great reuniting with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, you know, sharing those moments. We hadn't seen each other in a while. And he's another just sweetheart. And, you know, that guy can play around. He knows what he's doing. So yeah. Uh, yeah. if there's any time to ad-lib, you want, you want it coming from him, that's for sure. But David had a, a very, very tight script. We know, we, we know you're pressed for time because you're on Bond time. Movie's coming out, um, like, imminently. Um, yeah. What has it been like? I mean, you've done some pretty big movies. I mean, dude, you won an Oscar playing Freddie Mercury, which is kind of like, you know, double indemnity on being big, as you said, <laughs> you know, an oversized personality. But this press tour, especially with the film being delayed so many times because of the pandemic, what's that been like? I mean, I, you know, because this is something that's, that's years behind you now, and yet you're out there talking about it now as it's coming out. Yes, you know, I... When anybody told me, are you upset, asked me, am I upset that it's being postponed? The answer was no. And it was immediate because I, I knew that Barbara and Michael were going to take care of this film and do right by it. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's a family business. It's one of the last family businesses in film, if, if not the only. I'm trying to think of another one. But so, yeah, the, the wait is worth it. You, you really want this to be an experience. It's Bond, it's the 25th, it's his last one. You get to hear that incredible Billie Eilish song, 
what Carrie's done with the first 25 minutes of the, of the film are, you know, it's like a, it's like a horror French noir and something so unusual and satisfying. And when you're out there shooting on an ice lake uh, in the middle of Norway, doing it practically on film and then on IMAX film, you don't want that to just be released on your iPhone or on your computer. So yeah, the two, two years have been, you know, pretty excruciating for so many of us. And uh, to have this moment where we get to galvanize, come together and celebrate film and enjoy ourselves in something that's heart pounding and heartbreaking. Yeah, no, this is the right time for no time to die. Rami, one last question. Uh, American Radical is expected to be your re-team with Sam Esmail. Where is that right now? Are you guys waiting on a script? Are you going to go into production on it sometime soon? Um, no, I don't know exactly what's going on with that, but Sam and I are keeping, are keeping in touch and batting about ideas all the time. He's, he's got a very tight, busy schedule, but, uh, you know, we've become brothers since that show. We, we are thick as thieves and we will reunite. I just don't know when that's going to happen because he's, he's got a lot on his plate and I, I'm cooking up some things myself. All right, my man. Well, we really appreciate you joining us today. Rami Malek, Oscar winner, Bond villain, No Time to Die, out now. Some people say this is the one that's going to bring the movie theaters back. It's going to certainly bring Bond back. And au revoir to the great Daniel Craig. Au revoir. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. We went all Bond almost all the time. So make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. You can find all of our breaking news coverage of TV, film, business, and everything affecting our industry at Deadline.com. We'll see you next week. 